Chapter fifty three of the Ragged Trousered Philanthropists. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tig Hines. The Ragged Trousered Philanthropists by Robert Tressel. Chapter fifty three. Barrington finds a situation. The revulsion of feeling that Barrington experienced during the progress of the election was intensified by the final result. The blind, stupid, enthusiastic admiration displayed by the philanthropists for those who exploited and robbed them, their extraordinary apathy with regard to their own interests, the patient, broken-spirited way in which they endured their sufferings, tamely submitting to live in poverty in the midst of the wealth they had helped to create, their callous indifference to the fate of their children, and the savage hatred they exhibited towards anyone who dared to suggest the possibility of better things, forced upon him the thought that the hopes he cherished were impossible of realisation. The words of the renegade socialist recurred constantly to his mind. "'You can be a Jesus Christ if you like, but for my part I'm finished. For the future I intend to look after myself. As for these people, they vote for what they want. They get what they vote for, and by God they deserve nothing better.' They are being beaten with whips of their own choosing, and if I had my way they should be chastised with scorpions. For them the present system means joyless drudgery, semi-starvation, rags and premature death, and they vote for it and uphold it. Let them have what they vote for. Let them drudge and let them starve." These words kept ringing in his ears as he walked through the crowded streets early one fine evening, a few days before Christmas. The shops were all brilliantly lighted for the display of their Christmas stores and the pavements and even the carriageways were thronged with sightseers. Barrington was specially interested in the groups of shabbily dressed men and women and children who gathered in the roadway in front of the poulterers' and butchers' shops, gazing at the meat and the serried rows of turkeys and geese decorated with coloured ribbons and rosettes. He knew that to come here and look at these things was the only share many of these poor people would have of them, and he marvelled greatly at their wonderful patience and abject resignation. But what struck him most of all was the appearance of many of the women, evidently working men's wives, their faded, ill-fitted garments and the tired, sad expressions on their pale and careworn faces. Some of them were alone, others were accompanied by little children who trotted along trustfully, clinging to their mother's hands. The sight of these poor little ones, their utter helplessness and dependence, their patched unsightly clothing and broken boots, and the wistful looks of their pitiful faces as they gazed into the windows of the toy-shops, sent a pang of actual physical pain to his heart, and filled his eyes with tears. He knew that these children, naked of joy and all that makes life dear, were being tortured by the sight of the things that were placed so cruelly before their eyes, but which they were not permitted to touch or to share, and, like Joseph of old, his heart yearned over to his younger brethren. He felt like a criminal because he was warmly clad and well fed in the midst of all this want and unhappiness, and he flushed with shame because he had momentarily faltered in his devotion to the noblest cause that any man could be privileged to fight for, the uplifting of the disconsolate and the oppressed. He presently came to a large toy-shop outside which several children were standing admiring the contents of the window. He recognised some of these children and paused to watch them and to listen to their talk. They did not notice him standing behind them, as they ranged to and fro before the window, and as he looked at them he was reminded of the way in which captive animals walk up and down behind the bars of their cages. These children wandered repeatedly backwards and forwards from one end of the window to the other, with their little hands pressed against the impenetrable plate glass, choosing and pointing out to each other the particular toys that took their fancies. 
that's mine cried charley linden enthusiastically indicating a large strongly built wagon if i had that i'd give freddy rides in it and bring home lots of firewood and we could play at fire engines as well i'd rather have this railway said frankie owen there's a real tunnel and real coal in the tenders and then there's a station and the signals and a place to turn the engine round and a red lantern to light when there's danger on the line mine's a doll not the biggest one the one in pink clothes that you can take off said elsie and this tea-set and this needle-case for mother little freddy had let go his hold of elsie to whom he usually clung tightly and was clapping his hands and chuckling with delight and desire gee gee he cried eagerly gee gee pretty gee gee freddy want gee gee but it's no use looking at them any longer continued elsie with a sigh as she took hold of freddy's hand to lead him away it's no use looking at them any longer the likes of us can't expect to have such good things as them this remark served to recall frankie and charley to the stern realities of life and turning reluctantly away from the window they prepared to follow elsie but freddie had not yet learnt that lesson he had not lived long enough to understand that the good things of the world were not for the likes of him so when elsie attempted to draw him away he pursed up his under lip and began to cry repeating that he wanted a gee-gee the other children clustered round trying to coax and comfort him by telling him that no one was allowed to have anything out of the windows yet until christmas and that santa claus would be sure to bring him a gee-gee then but these arguments failed to make any impression on freddy who tearfully insisted upon being supplied at once whilst they were thus occupied they caught sight of barrington whom they hailed with evident pleasure born of the recollection of certain gifts of pennies and cakes that they had at different times received from him hello mr barrington said the two boys in a breath hello replied barrington as he patted the baby's cheek what's the matter here what's freddy crying for he wants that there horse mister the one with the real hair on said charley smiling indulgently like a grown-up person who realized the absurdity of the demand freddy want gee gee repeated the child taking hold of barrington's hand and returning to the window nice gee gee tell him that santa claus will bring it to him on christmas whispered elsie perhaps he'll believe you and that'll satisfy him and he's sure to forget all about it in a little while are you still out of work mr barrington inquired frankie no replied barrington slowly i've got something to do at last well that's a good job ain't it remarked charley yes said barrington and whom do you think i'm working for who santa claus santa claus echoed the children opening their eyes to the fullest extent yes continued barrington solemnly you know he's a very old man now so old that he can't do all this work himself last year he was so tired that he wasn't able to get round to all the children he wanted to give things to and consequently a great many of them never got anything at all so this year he's given me a job to help him he's given me some money and a list of children's names and against their names are written the toys they are to have my work is to buy the things and give them to the boys and girls whose names are on the list the children listened to this narrative with bated breath incredible as the story seemed barrington's manner was so earnest as to almost compel belief really and truly or are you only having a game said frankie at length speaking almost in a whisper elsie and charley maintained an awestruck silence while freddie beat upon the glass with the palms of his hands really and truly replied barrington unblushingly as he took out his pocket-book and turned over the leaves i've got a list here perhaps your names are down for something 
The three children turned pale and their hearts beat violently as they listened wide-eyed for what was to follow. "'Let me see,' continued Barrington, scanning the pages of the book. "'Why, yes, here they are. Elsie Linden. One doll with clothes that can be taken off, one tea-set, and one needle-case. Freddy Easton. One horse with real hair. Charlie Linden. One four-wheeled wagon full of groceries. Frankie Owen. One railway with tunnel, station, train with real coal for engine, signals, red lamp, and place to turn the engines round. Barrington closed the book. So you may as well have your things now, he continued, speaking in a matter-of-fact tone. We buy them here. It'll save me a lot of work. I shall not have the trouble of taking them round to where you live. It's lucky I happened to meet you, isn't it? The children were breathless with emotion, but they just managed to gasp out that it was very lucky. As they followed him into the shop, Freddy was the only one of the four whose condition was anything like normal. All the others were in a half-dazed state. Frankie was afraid that he was not really awake at all. It couldn't be true. It must be a dream. In addition to the hare, the horse was furnished with four wheels. They did not have to make it into a parcel, but tied some string to it and handed it over to its new owner. The elder children were scarcely conscious of what took place inside the shop. They knew that Barrington was talking to the shopman, but they did not hear what was said. The sound seemed far away and unreal. The shopman made the doll, the tea-set and the needle-case into one parcel and gave it to Elsie. The railway in a stout cardboard box was also wrapped up in brown paper, and Frankie's heart nearly burst when the man put the package into his arms. When they came out of the toy-shop they said good-night to Frankie, who went off carrying his parcel very carefully and feeling as if he were walking on air. The others went into a provisions merchant nearby, where the groceries were purchased and packed into the wagon. Then Barrington, upon referring to the list to make quite certain that he had not forgotten anything, found that Santa Claus had put down a pair of boots each for Elsie and Charlie, and when they went to buy these it was seen that their stockings were all ragged and full of holes, so they went to the drapers and bought some stockings also. Barrington said that although they were not on the list, he was sure Santa Claus would not object. He had probably meant them to have them, but had forgotten to put them down. End of chapter 53